So I recently reconnected with somebody that I had met back in college. You know how that works usually on Facebook to begin with and you think, gosh, at first I couldn't even remember the person then was like, oh right, whatever happened to that person? So I reconnected with this uh, person from college and uh, I remember her as always a very vibrant person, somebody who just had a lot of uh, promise and a lot of joy and a lot of fun and a uh, very quirky sense of humor, somebody who had a lot of plans. Um, she is somebody who did a certain kind of art, and so she was going to just conquer the art world with her certain kind of art, and um, she just had a lot going for her. Fast forward, not heard or seen or thought much about her in all of these many years later, and I recently reconnected with her, and... I said, what's going on? And she said, well, I have to tell you. Here's what happened. I thought I was going to go and, and do this art and live my life that way. But I took a job in accounting because I thought that would be a good stable thing to do. And I would spend the rest of my time pursuing my art so that I wouldn't have to be in accounting for very long. Seems reasonable, yes? 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 Yeah, you know I like it. I like hearing y'all. And I said, great, that sounds great. So what happened? And she said, I'm still at the accounting job. 20-something years later, I'm still at the accounting job. And I said, gosh, I'm really sorry to hear that, but you know, you can still pursue your art. And she said, well, here's the reason I'm reaching out. Uh, I was just diagnosed with breast cancer. And she said, the thing that keeps going through my mind is what did I wait for? What was I waiting for? What was I waiting for? She said, I thought that I had played it so safe. But now I recognize that I played it so safe. And she told me that. And it was so sad to hear. But I know that her story is a lot of people's stories. You know that too. It's a lot of people's stories. And it reminded me actually of one of my favorite stories. And I thought this is the story I want to talk about today. It's a story from one of my favorite books, which is called The 12 Conditions of a Miracle by Todd Michael. How many of you have read this? Great, nobody has. <laughs> You are in for a treat. What he does is he takes the parable of the loaves and fishes from uh, the New Testament and he breaks it down. He goes to the original Greek and he breaks it down um, so that you know what really happened. And he said, for that miracle to occur, there had to be 12 conditions in order for it to happen. And he breaks it down so you can create those 12 conditions in your life. But one of my favorite parts of this book is the story he tells and um, it's a story about a farmer. And it ties in beautifully with my friend. It ties in beautifully with any one of us who has any part that we've been holding back because it's safe. And this is a farmer who lived near a beautiful flowing stream that delivered life-giving waters to his crops. He had the perfect place
He had a beautiful flowing stream that delivered life-getting waters to his crops and livestock, as well as to all the other local farmers. All was well until one early summer when a minor drought caused the stream to run lower than usual. A minor drought. A minor drought. How many of you have had any droughts in any area of your life before? A minor drought caused the waters to run low. Now, we turn on the television, and what we see on all of those uh, news channels is news about things like the government shutdown, the economy, jobs, bickering, fighting, this and that. And many of us believe those things. In fact, a lot of times we believe more in those things than we do in the truths that we're told. I had somebody tell me in one of my classes that the government shutdown really scared them. And I said, why? You're a student, a longtime student on the path. And they said, but this time it's different. It's the government, it's shut down. And I said, it's always something different, but it's always the same thing. Always something to scare you, a paper dragon that comes up and scares you. That's the drought that they're talking about. All was well until a minor drought caused the stream to run lower than usual. None of the other farmers were worried. They had witnessed many dry spells and accepted them as an inevitable part of nature's ebb and flow. They knew that plentiful rains invariably compensate all droughts. Ebb and flow, the natural order of the universe. But the worried farmer obsessed and tortured himself. We can obsess and torture ourselves like crazy. In fact, I know most of us do because I talk to (laughs) y'all. And I do it myself. He said, what if the rains never come again? He wondered, if the storms dry up, my crops will wither, my animals will die, and my family will starve. Each anxious thought led to another. We think that our situation is so different. I hear all of that spiritual principle stuff, the law of attraction, that life is one, God is one. All of that stuff makes sense, but I got my own issues, and suddenly it doesn't feel very real to me. I can believe it for you, but it's hard to believe it for myself when it's me. And even though he knew that the, uh, one good rain is all it took for everything to go back to normal, for him, it was him and his circumstances, he worried like crazy. He decided there was only one thing to do. He had to accumulate a reserve supply of water to use when the stream eventually dried up. That makes perfect sense. On the surface, that makes perfect sense. That's what my friend did in college. She, used, she decided she was going to use a reserve supply of water by taking a job in accounting because it makes perfect sense. I'm going to do this and, and get some reserve happening. And so he built a sturdy dam of small boulders and sticks, and in no time, a small pond formed. Actually, it was a large pond. A large pond formed. I want to be accurate to the story. Although the other farmers tried to reason with the misguided man and reassure him, he wouldn't listen, for he had built a deep dam within himself, a great impenetrable wall of fear. 
That's what the dam represented, of course, was his fear that this time it was going to be different. This time the news that is bad is going to be so bad that it's going to affect me and cause me to have real discomfort. And he built the dam inside of himself. He builds a dam also outside of himself and it creates a large pond. The farmers nearby just shook their heads They weren't worried about the farmer trying to withhold all of this water because once full, the force of the stream, when the rains happened again, the force of the stream would carve new channels around the pond, around the anxious farmer's land. And sure enough, once the pond had filled, the stream reestablished itself on the adjoining neighbor's land and continued to all the nearby farms. We dam up. We think that creating a reserve is the best thing to do, but life cannot be stopped. Life does not need a reserve. Life continued to flow around him. He may have dammed up and stopped, but life continued to flow right around him, did not stop one little bit. At first, the large reserve gave the anxious farmer, a feeling of security. So when my friend got her accounting job, she had that initial blush of security, that feeling of, ah, okay, I'm doing the responsible, right, good thing, the expected thing to do. And I bet you anything, if she told people her plan was that she wanted to be a great artist, but she was gonna start in accounting, I bet you nine out of 10 people, if not more, would have said that's a good plan good for you. She would have gotten so much agreement for being correct and safe. But his tendency to worry continued. He had done nothing to correct that. Because the issue was not the water. The issue was not what was going on around him because all the other farmers knew that the tendency of life is to continue to flow. But within him, the fear became so strong that he stopped himself and he didn't change that. My friend knew that at a certain point she needed to maybe start growing out of it, but it became so comfortable. The dam, the pond caused by the dam of fear became so comfortable that it caused her to move into inaction because, my goodness, what if she took an action and it was the wrong one? He worried on. And then something happened that he had not anticipated. See, we love our own plans. We think we're so smart. Our plans make so much sense in our head. But there's always something that will happen. And we think, oh, I didn't think about that. And what happened with him is, something he hadn't anticipated. Once the stream had carved new channels and bypassed his pond completely, fresh water no longer flowed into his reservoir. Now see, when we take something that is safe and good, I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. But when that is the only thing we do, when we try to create a reserve, a reservoir of safety and comfortableness then what we are not doing is allowing the freshness of life to move through us. What would have happened to her 
if she had done the accounting but continued to do art on the weekends? What would have happened to her if she had taken time off, sabbaticals, vacations to work on her artwork? That sounds reasonable, but in the moment when we make our choices, whether it's finances, job, love, sometimes we'll stay with somebody because it's just easier to stay even if it's not very good. Or we think, if I don't have this, like the anxious farmer, I may not have anything. Even though we know there's six point whatever billion people in the world, if I let this one go, there may not be another one. There may not be another one. And you know, we laugh at here, but it makes perfect sense when we make that agreement in our own head. We do it with our health. We do it with every part of our lives sometimes. So his, the, the new channels of water flowed around his pond and there was no fresh water whatsoever. In the summer heat, the little pond stagnated and algae bloomed over the surface. Silt and thick weeds choked the bottom. The once abundant fish slowly died, starving for oxygen. As the days went by, the sun beat down upon the pond and the water slowly evaporated. The anxious farmer watched helplessly as his pond was reduced to a shallow quagmire. Isn't that a great word, quagmire? It just sounds so awful. It's a shallow quagmire. But without the fresh water, without fresh ideas, without the freshness of life, without being... Uh, engaged in our own life, what happens is we become stagnant. Now, notice the word that he used in the story was very clever. He said it happened slowly because I can guarantee you that my friend did not notice the time passing as she was in her accounting job. It happened slowly at the time. She was focused on all the other things without noticing that the algae was growing that the water was beginning to evaporate. What will I do, he moaned. The more he thought, the more confused and anxious he became. At last, he set out to find a wise man who lived high in the mountains to the west, a journey of several days. Now, here's... Here's what's interesting about this story, and one of the reasons I love it so much is it mirrors what happens to us in our lives. We create this great plan, whether again, in our career, in our relationships, in whatever area, we create this great plan and we think we are being so smart. And then as we dam up and stop the freshness from flowing through our life and it takes all the way down for the waters to evaporate, all the way down to the quagmire before he seeks help. We are so much like that. Sometimes we don't get help when it's the little thing and then it becomes the medium thing and suddenly it becomes something so huge that our fear becomes so great that we finally, finally, finally are willing to find help for it, are finally willing to open ourselves up and begin to want to see it differently. We're so like that. That's that human part of us that doesn't want to move off that rock, which I've talked about before. What will I do? So he finds this wise man. 
He finds the wise men. He found the wise men in a simple hut overlooking a magnificent panorama and launched into the long-winded explanation of his problem. Boy, do we know how to tell our own stories. Yes? You can tell your stories. I bet you if I invited, we put up a mic right here and I said, come up and tell your stories. I bet we'd be here till three or four o'clock in the afternoon at least because we can tell them good. The wise man listened patiently. At the end, he laughed and told the farmer that the solution was so simple. Tear down the dams, he said, heartily slapping the anxious farmer on the back. Tear down the dams, both of them. What do you mean both, the farmer whined. The wise man's eyes made the farmer very nervous. I need water in my pond. It's not much, but it's all I have. If I release it, I will have nothing. But the wise men just turned away and would say no more. Now, I can tell you as somebody who has worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over the years, I have heard those exact words coming out of so many mouths including mine, by the way. I need the water in my pond. These are the words that we will say. It's not much, but it's all I have. If I release it, I will have nothing. We'd rather take the little pebbles that we have, the little tiny things, gifts that we have in our hand and say, I'm gonna keep these. At least I got these rather than release them. And he said, release the dam, let the water go. It's not even good water. It's not even good water, let it go. Let it go, and while you're at it, let the dam go in your heart as well. The farmer, oh, you know, the other thing that keeps in mind is the thing that our wise man within tells us to do is usually the exact opposite of the thing that we think will solve the problem because all he thought he needed, by the way, was just some more water. Fill it back up, that's all he needed. That is all he needed. That's what we think. We think that if we have financial problems, all we need is we just need some more money to fill up the account again. If we have love problems, we think we just need somebody new to come along finally at last without recognizing that we have to go within and first deal with the own, our own damn and quagmire inside of our own heart. The farmer decided then and there that the so-called wise man was insane. Why? That's just not what he went there for. He wanted a real answer. He didn't want that answer. The solution he had proposed made absolutely no sense. We don't believe it because the answers usually are so simple, so simple. Upon returning home, however, he realized that unless something changed soon, he would be ruined. The water was so foul now. That's another good word, right? Foul. You can say it like that, just like with such a disdain in your, foul. Say it now. Foul, yeah. Oh. The water was so now that even the livestock wouldn't drink it. What have I got to lose, he asked himself with a shrug. That was a good question. What did he have to lose? What did he have to lose? Nothing. 
With a sigh of resignation, he walked out to the dam and removed the stones. Now remember, it got so bad that he finally went to a holy man and the holy man told him something very simple to do. And then he still didn't want to do it. And then it had to get even worse. It went from quagmire to foul. And when it got foul, he got resigned. He walked out to the dam, removed the stones, then watched as the, oh, another great word, putrid water (laughs) flowed into the long, dry stream bed below. Within an hour, the swamp was completely drained. And the mud beneath began to crack in the dry sun, hot sun. Fine, he said, now I have nothing. How could I have been so stupid? When we finally get strong-armed by life into finally listening to our own soul, our own life that has the answer, and we finally think it's too simple to work, but we finally, finally begin to do it, often what will happen is seemingly the opposite of what we want to happen. He finally let go of the putrid now water and it left and nothing was left and the ground dried up. And he thought this holy man stuff is all a sham. It works for you all, but it didn't work for me. However, he did it. And something happened. In the days that followed, the stream above his land began to trickle into the empty, low-lying cavities of the newly drained swamp. In a matter of days, the stream reestablished its old channels and his problems were solved. In a strange coincidence, in a strange coincidence, the rains returned about that time and everyone ended up having a great year of abundance. Eventually it did. Life began to work and move and suddenly he had the flow, the fresh flow of water, putrid no more. He says, the author says, if you're experiencing any kind of lack, you are almost certainly making the same mistake as the ancient farmer by clinging desperately in a misguided attempt to conserve what little you have. You will have to begin releasing, letting go. Initially, like the farmer, you may feel as though you have made a terrible mistake, but in the process, you will create the kind of emptiness that will automatically pull the flow back into your life. Your actions and your attitude will create a vacuum, and energy will begin to flow toward it, unless, of course, you immediately erect another dam of fear and worry. What do you desire? Examine your situation carefully. Try diligently to see if you have erected a barrier in front of the very thing that you want the most. So I was talking to my friend, the woman that I mentioned at the beginning of the talk, and I said, so why are you calling me? I haven't talked to you in a long time. She said, I see you on Facebook and you put up spiritual posts. I know you're a minister and I called you to to pray. I said, okay, I'm so happy, of course. She was already on my prayer list. I said, but let me ask you this. Clearly you're doing soul searching. 
She said, I'm doing a lot of soul searching. In fact, I've started something new. I've started something they call journaling. <laughs> Have you heard of it, Joel? <laughs> I said, oh, honey, if you only knew. I said, what? Did, I didn't say that. I said, interesting, journaling. Hmm. What has it told you? And she said, well, she said that you're going to think I'm the craziest person in the entire world. But when I talk in my journal to my life, because suddenly she has to, she said, it keeps saying the strangest thing to me. And I said, oh, yeah, really, what is that? And she goes, you're going to think I'm crazy. And I said, try me. She said, well, it's telling me I should start up that art again. At which point I almost started crying. And I said, I think that's a good idea. I think it's time. We sometimes will wait until the stagnation in our own lives gets putrid and foul. And I bet you anything, if I asked you, and I won't, but if I asked you to raise your hand, if you knew what that felt like, most of the hands in this room would rise. But the good news is, today, Whatever dam you might have in your life, whatever dam I have in my life, today is the day that we get to take down the dam. Wherever it is, wherever you feel stuck in your life, wherever you might feel stagnant in your life, wherever you feel like maybe fresh water is not moving in your life, today's the day you get to tear down the dam. Today is the day that you get to begin receiving the fresh water of life because what I know with certainty, is that the one life that we talk about every single week is available right here. We don't have to wait for things to get so bad that we're strong-armed for it to happen. We can let it be what it is now, even if it's a tiny little bit of stagnation, just the tiniest little bit, that first little piece of algae, now's the time to tear down the dam. Now is the time to tear down the dam. And we do that by listening within and even if what we hear inside seems too simple to do, do it. Do it because that holy man, that wise man is you. You are the wise man for, or woman for your own life. Begin today to tear down the dam. And so it is. Isn't that beautiful? She gets to start painting again. I bet she's got some beautiful art coming. All right, so let's take this into treatment. Let's let this become real for us. Ah, oh, take another deep breath. Have you noticed in our services we keep pointing back in over and over again? What a great habit for us to develop. So right now in this place, we know there is the one mind, the one power, that one creative force that has created all life. It's God. God the good. There are not two forces, there's one force. And this one force is now a force in our own life. It is now powering its way into our consciousness. We are now 
unified. We join with that, knowing that there is no place where this force leaves off and where we begin because we are the force itself in action. Oh, what a great feeling to know that we have that force within us. And with this as our truth, right now we just examine our life honestly and fully in our minds. And wherever we see a dam, we just let the dam break. We tear down the dams so that every area of our life, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our careers, whether it's in our love relationships, whether it's in our love relationship with ourself, whether it's our bodies, whether it's with anything in our lives right now, there are no dams. The waters of life, that fresh flowing water of life flows freely and fully in our life like, oh, like a great flowing river. <coughs> Washing away anything putrid and foul so that we might live freshly. This is what it feels like to have the waters wash you clean. There are no more dams inside of us. And so right now, we just live in that open flow. We allow ourselves to feel what it feels like without limits. We recognize that, yes, we are responsible people, but we don't have to let our lives go by playing it all so safe. In fact, I feel like the riskiest thing to do is not risk, not take chances, not step out of our comfort zones. So we feel empowered with that force of life so that we can now try something. We can finally hear the call of life saying, will you please finally do this? Will you let this feeling go, this resentment go? Will you finally love yourself the way that life loves you? And we say yes to that. We believe that and we say yes to it and we know that as we say yes to it, we remain in the flow. And remaining in the flow means that we live a life that is beyond, beyond, beyond the small walls that we might have erected and into a thrilling adventure backed by life toward joy. Joy is our compass and we continue to follow wherever it points. So with that as our truth, we now just give thanks because we have this life, this force. And there is never any time when we cannot return right back here and allow it to flow again. There is no drought in the spiritual world. Thank you, God, for this truth. We're grateful for the life that we've been given and for the very breath that we breathe. And with such great joy in our hearts, 
and feeling the full force of all of life in, through, and around us, together we come full force to say, and so it is. Amen. So now, if the ushers would come forward. I'm still in the force. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? I'm still in the force. I'm still in the prayer. If the ushers would come forward. Here's one. Or the usher. We're coming, okay. As we're, as we're moving into our conscious giving time, we can allow the force of life to flow in this area as well. And as we get our contributions ready, it's always great to put them against our heart if you feel comfortable doing that because this is where our life beats. So let's put our contributions over our heart or our hands over our heart and allow this heartbeat to flow into our life in every area, including this. And in your bulletin, you actually have the uh, conscious giving affirmation that we say so that we can be conscious when we put our offerings into the basket and not just give it by rote, but give it consciously. And together we'll say, we'll read it together. Holding this offering in my hand, I bless it with my love. Allow it to go forth, to multiply, and do good. I accept the returned blessing of my generosity, knowing that I can never outgive God. God bless this center and our community, and may I be a walking example of good to the world around me. And so it is.